Hello everybody. Today I've decided to focus on all things positive. Like Zayn released a new album titled Nobody is Listening. He was probably talking about us. What's positive about it? Well, we can be unabashedly ourselves. Yes. Oh yes. Dorothy Parker's resuming. Razors pain you, rivers are damp, acids stain you, and drugs cause cramp. Guns aren't lawful, noses give, gas smells awful, you might as well live. So that was a really dark and uh, true and very strong poem within very few short words. What do you have to say? Yeah, exactly. Like. It's written in a rather unchanging and straightforward manner, which I really like, because uh, having survived four suicide attempts myself, I uh, really like how she didn't romanticize it. It's a very delicate subject, you know, when you want to kill yourself, when you are at the end of your wits and you don't know what to do, and uh, someone tries to glorify it with allusions metaphors and grandiose diction. So it it doesn't it doesn't work like that. So I really liked how the how she did it, like very straightforward. The message was very hard hitting. Like anyone can read it and understand and it might help people I guess. Also when I say I hate hate it when people glorify suicide I'm talking about the movie and the book, 13 Reasons Why. Yes, oh. it's, it's horrifying, it's bad, it's bad to a degree where it cannot be salvaged from any place. Uh, it shows death as a way to revenge, to extract revenge on people who have wronged you. You know, seeing this and thinking, yes, right? Suicide is a perfect way to get back at people who are bullying me or this and this like that. This kind of content can have a large large effect on people which I really dislike. So what do you say about it? Well, I haven't seen the show or read the book, but uh, I quite agree. If it's true what you're saying, uh, I quite agree with, with it, with the sentiment and with that perspective. But then again, uh, art is beyond anybody's control. So I think, um, yeah, you know, there there are some negatives to everything. I was, you know, it's like an argument. And by uh, let me segue to Coleridge's uh, poem called The Suicide Argument, which kind of basically starts with a banger line, which is basically... Um, which is what we say in our daily colloquial terms, whatever, every day. Ere the birth of my life, if I wished it or no, no question was asked me. It could not be so. If the life was the question of things sent to try and to live on be yes, what can no be to die? So this, this, is, this is what he's basically making a list of, um, debate, uh, it's like a debate between life and suicide, not even death, just life and suicide. 
uh, and he, towards the end, he, he, he goes like, I gave you innocence, I gave you hope, gave help and genius and an ample scope. Return you me guilt, lethargy, despair, make out the inventory, um, inspect, compare, then die, if die you dare. This is like an added pressure, the anxiety that comes with it, like, should I kill myself, should I not, am I, am I coward? by not killing myself or am I a coward jumping into death? This, this dilemma, this anxiety is also another, my point of view of suicide. I, it's not, not um, very personal, but I, ha I have heard people, I have almost uh, seen people see, slitting their wrists and regretting immediately or about to slit their wrists and being unable to do so because they are afraid. And also thinking a little bit rationally at that point, uh, then all the immediate the next uh, the next uh, feeling that they get is anxiety and guilt of wasting the opportunity to have a quick escape. This this is my perspective of the whole um, this poem especially the suicide thing. You might as well live. Well, it's good to hear that to that I might as well live, but. That my, my missed opportunity to escape, to quick, to this quick escape is what um, gives another level of anxiety to it, like a PTSD of the unknown. And uh, I, yeah, I, I think that's a weird thought, but obviously far uh, lower in terms of damage to the actual death by suicide. And as far as certain reasons why it's concerned, um, Tell me, it's fictional, right? It's a fictional uh, story, is it? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, so I guess that's where that's where they get the excuse. But I would still, um, you know, I, I would still share a similar contempt towards it, um, like you do, if that's what they stand for, if that's the only meaning they they adhere to. Yeah, uh, when you said that it. It's nice to see that uh, I might as well live. Excuse me to tint your optimism with some of my pessimism and cynicism. So it felt like as if staying alive was a sorry compensation for not succeeding in accomplishing the other wise, which I see in Robert Frost's poem, Miles to Go. Stopping by woods on a snowy evening. So yeah. he, he says that the woods are lovely, dark and deep. But I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. Yeah. I don't think he is talking about an optimist point of view. Yeah, point of quite, view yeah. uh, it's rather, it, it, I, I also think that it's uh, pessimistic and also the fact that he has no other choice. Yes, so the line, you might as well miss, goes very um, hand to hand with, I have promises to keep and marriage to go before I sleep because he doesn't want to live probably, but he has promises to keep. So I guess you get my point, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the title is also something we should uh, talk about, resume and resume. Yes, uh, the note on the accent, no, uh, I mean note the accent on the letter, he removes the accent and we have resume, which means to move on. I think Dorothy Parker, oh no, that would be a bad presumption, but uh, huh, I think uh, she intended it probably because 
a po- poet like that cannot just write for write, writing sake. Somebody read a little bit about this poem somewhere. Uh, the last line, and you might as well live, was said to her by one of her friends after her suicide attempt or something, and that's what led her to write this poem. So I guess you are right. It, it's either the resume, the list of accomplishments in her life, and but also it's the fact that she has to continue with her life no matter what. The burden of whatever has happened to her continues, and because she has got she she's got to go miles before she can sleep. Yes. In today's music, popular music, people. So many artists brilliantly talk about their struggle with mental health and suicide. And one of the very popular and really touching songs by Alicia Cara Khalid and Logic um, was that one eight hundred. It's a very uh, you know numbing song. It's the chorus goes like, I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. I just want to die today. I just want to die. I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be alive. I just want to die. And tell me and let me tell you why. Uh, so the number is probably a suicide helpline number, which is the title of the track one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And uh, then he goes on to uh, explain why he feels he wants to die and how he is seeking out for help. Um, later song, it kind of shifts to a like a survival tone where he says, "I finally want to be alive. I finally want to be alive. I don't want to die today. I don't want to die." It repeats like that. Pain don't hurt the same. I know the lane I travel feels alone, but I'm moving till my legs give out and I see my tears melt in the snow. But I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry anymore. I want to feel alive. I don't even want to die anymore. Oh, I don't want. I don't want. I don't even want to die anymore. This is how the song ends, and I think it it captures. It's almost like there. I mean, a vast majority of what. We feel uh, in today's world, isn't it? Yeah. So I have seen artists seeking refuge in their art for to cope to cope with death, like Green Day, Coldplay, Susan yeah. Stevens. Yeah. Wow. Green Day's Bollywood, Green Day's Wake Me Up on September ends, which is a very popular track. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess um, art helps. In this kind of a way, even while we are discussing it, we are uh, unloading our baggage onto each other and our audience probably. So it's like uh, we are seeking refuge in our art in our kind of way, which is which what I have seen a lot. And the song you mentioned, yeah. And uh, having. Do would you like to share some of your anecdotes if you want from from these awful experiences that you have had? Yeah, so I was in a hospital after attempting my third suicide. Uh, after my third suicide attempt, so a lady was there and she was like, "Oh my God, these teenagers they'll do anything for attention," which is uh i think it's a probably the most horrible thing i have heard in my heard in my entire life so um, 
I guess this is not how you treat people who have suicidal tendencies. You treat people mm-hmm. like probably Parker. That's why we speak refugee mad because people in reality is very disappointing. Yeah, um, I, they would just say anything without a thought. Yes, and the artists when they say anything, it comes from a deep place where you know they have. Uh, gone through the pain or something like that and they will understand you. The, uh, let me tell you a quote by Bozart about art that uh, there will be time when, I'm paraphrasing it, okay, so there will be time when uh, your best, even your best friend, your parents wouldn't understand you but there will be that one song, one movie or one book that will understand you completely. So uh, from my experience, from this experience, I finally found yes because nobody understood me, not even the fucking doctors in the clinic who are trained to understand us, who are supposed to, but this woman with his, with her eight or nine line poem, I don't know the exact line length, I'm sorry. So she understood me perfectly and you might as well live is probably the best thing I have heard in my entire life. Yeah, so, songs and, um, you know, not just music, I mean, even poetry, poetry, songs and books and stuff, like you said. That's the escapism we look, like, that's the shelter we all seek, the refuge. And like keep seeking refuge in the nightingale. <laughs> that's not suicidal poem, but whatever. I know, but yeah. He was uh, very much in pain, right? And he found refuge in us. That's what I'm trying to say only. I was listening to Rock Bottom the other day. Yeah. So Rock Bottom is this song about when you when you have nowhere else to go and you'll just hit the rock bottom. And yeah, it goes like my life is full of empty promises and broken dreams. I'm hoping I'm hoping things look up, but there ain't no job openings. I feel discouraged, hungry, and malnourished. This is very straightforward and true. And I think this should, this is like uh, my this is I don't know this should be my bio on on the CV or something like that at this point. Yeah. Just simple few lines, you know. Your resume. Yeah, my resume, right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the next point then. What's the greatest kind of knot that you can tie with these? It's useful and it's happy and it suits your every need. Well, I'm about to tell you, but first I have to note that you never should ever consider putting a rope around your throat. So let's learn how to tie the noose. It's practical for every use. All you need is a piece of rope. Self-abuse, this is how you tie a noose There's a hundred 
me down in history with your better twisted lies. You may tread me in the very dirt, but still that dust are lies. Does my sassiness upset you? Why are you beset with gloom? Does I walk like I've got oil wells pumping in my living room? Just like moons and like suns, with the certainty of tides, just like hopes springing high, still I rise. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? Does my haughtiness offend you? Don't you take it awful hard? Does I laugh like I've got gold mines digging in my own backyard? You may shoot me with your words, you may cut me with your eyes. You may kill me with your hatefulness, yet still, like air, I rise. Sexiness upset you? Does it come as a surprise? That I dance like I've got diamonds at the meeting of my thighs. Out of the huts of history's shame, I rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, I rise. I'm a black ocean, leaping and wide. Still I rise by my anchor. It kind of feels like it is talking about a human phoenix who survived defeats everywhere and rose out of its ash like the phoenix. I thoroughly enjoyed the uh, lambent rebuke to the wrongdoers, the patriarchal wrongdoers against women that runs through the entire poem so charmingly and it's scintillating to even think that how romantic and charming these simple words are put together in this yet there is this strong sense of scorn against you know you know what I mean like yeah <laughs> simple words but it hits you like a brick brick on your face as if she is throwing a brick on your face on your privileged ass that has been sitting on uh, the male privilege or the white privilege or the privilege yeah, of yeah. being a upper class person any kind of privilege you have she makes sure that she makes sure that you get aware of it what i think the universality of this poem i know this is about uh, you know the black oppression and uh, oppression to against the black and all that but the universality of the poem to me lies in the fact that how how even i in, in 2021, my privileged ass can also relate to it. I am privileged where, you know, I'm privileged to have my only problems be my own, like my body image issues, my dating life, my mental health. I know these are not, I don't, I don't want to belittle my problems. I shouldn't, nobody should do that. But still, I think I'm privileged to have only these problems um, to deal with. And, but yet, these poems, this, this particular poem is also meant for me, and that's the universality of how Angelo embraces us all, all of us women, not just women, I think, at this point. Everybody who enjoys their femininity, everybody who feels feminine or, um, or, or is scared of their femininity, this, this poem embraces them all. It's like a, 
it's like a shelter, you know, that it's just amazing. I want to worship this poem. I worship my Angela, of course, but I want to worship this poem in particular to remind myself. Yeah, exactly. That's why probably Angela herself commented. Uh, you will probably find this really uh, good. Uh, she said in a 2008 interview, you know if you are lonely and you feel you have been down, it's nice to have still arrived. Yeah, I mean, this is... Um, Seriously, this is my um, motivational mantra or something like that. You know, you may write yeah. me that. The, the fact that this also this is uh, this also like talks about how you know us as Indian women, young women, uh, feel and feel the pressure of walking in a certain way, dressing up in a certain way, doing our hair in a certain way not even being allowed to wear lipsticks or uh, a bare black blouse or something. Just the restrictions that are imposed on us, which we don't want at all, <laughs> aren't necessary. Exactly. Also, uh, in this day, being feminine is probably a crime uh, to people. People have uh, abashed femininity to the point where it's uh, it is just damaged. If you like pink, then you are so naughty. If you yeah, like, like she says, did you want to? You are probably a whore. But uh, Maya Angelou makes us celebrate our femininity, our lack of femininity. Any way, any shape or form we are, we are to be celebrated. And also, like, I, um, the, bod the body image issues. Before going to that, I'm going to uh, just mention this like, this part. Did you want to see me broken, bowed head and lowered eyes, shoulders falling down like teardrops, weakened by my soulful cries? These things, yes, this is how, this is how those uh, awful, awful people want to see us and feel like this is what we deserve, this is where we belong. This particular uh, stanza kind of, you know, rebuked them so badly. I, I don't think there would be any better comeback uh, for this. Yeah. You know, like we we are not we won't fall down like teardrops. We won't walk the streets crestfallen. Why should we? The hour, the very thing of our, um, the one we call the ghungat or the ghomta, that's like that's such a major part of daily household. Uh, oppression that we still to this day ignore. I mean, yes, if you like it, wear it, no problem. But from my um, experiences, you know, from my neighbors, from my distant family, uh, relatives, whatever, I, I have never seen one person who actually enjoys wearing that kind of thing and um, hiding their faces or you know, not not being able to speak to uh, any stranger without the permission of their husband or or not just husband, husband's father also. So, uh, yeah, I have seen this kind of thing. The fact that I am able to say that I have seen this kind of thing being of my generation saddens me the most because way overdue, like, we should have stopped before even my parents' generation started or even further before that. The fact that even I saw this, this is, you know, this just disgusts me. And I feel yeah. sorry, but then, you know, we are slowly 
progressing towards a better tomorrow i believe so yes are we progressing towards a better tomorrow like it it was different well, we are well we so are back in time but um, what has changed whatever she has talked about in this poem we can relate to every syllable every word
if I can just choose my adjectives right, that's what I'm saying. And and yeah. and, and how society uh, would affect me would that is that is a different question. I I remember uh, it was a few years ago. I always dress up in a in very uh, loose clothing, baggy clothing, mostly men's clothing. Sometimes I feel comfortable in that. So I wear them and go out and um, my neighbors sort of one day complained to my mom, why do I walk like a man and dress up like a man outside? It would uh, nullify my prospects of marriage and having children. Wow, your neighbor sounds like right out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie. Ah, always I, watching. No, 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 do not, Hitchcock movies are great. Do not give, uh, you know, elevate them to such standards. I mean, this is awful that they even think about these kind of stuff. And it's original. It's very original. I appreciate that how original this bullshit is, like 100% certified original bullshit. But the thing is that, shut up. Exactly. Shut up. People need to shut up. Shut the fuck up. To, time. to quote Eminem, I know it's your opinion, but your opinion is wrong. <laughs> Yeah, there are three holy words in our life. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, thank you, step of this, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, he did that on the Letterman show, right? Yeah. Oh, God. What a man. Easier man to quote, you know, Shaw. The what a man, Letterman. No. no, no, I just quoted Shaw, the last dialogue of um, Arms and the Man. What a man. It's oh. When Blanc okay, okay. When Blanche Lee. Oh my god, I had such a great crush on Blanche Lee. The, and, and the fact that, okay, let's talk about Blanche Lee a little bit short. I digress, I'm sorry, but this is also a part of feminism because Blanche Lee, he, you know, he, he is kind of, I believe he's kind of like the hot priest from Fleabag because oh. he just listens. Yes, he just listens and he comes with a bang, you know. I want strawberries and chocolates on my battlefield, not war, and all this kind of like a sexy sass and stuff. And then he listens to Raina, whatever, whatever she has to say. He actually listens and respects and that's so cool. I was, I'm just so attracted to Blanchley. <laughs> I don't know, I mean, there might, might be some different angles of reading it as well, which might prove me other, wrong otherwise, but my first perception of Blanchley was this, and I'm, so far, this thing has been untouched, this, uh, my, my crush towards Blanchley has, has been untouched, but maybe tomorrow I'll come across another article and it will change my mind, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, the, the sad part about being Shaw is uh, he actually wanted to write about women's oppression in a serious way so people can understand that people were so dumb and so fucking assholes they didn't go to this, those place, tragedy, so tragedy, tragic place, uh, probably serious place those were. So he had to write uh, uh, everything in a... Uh, sugar-coated comic way so people will actually go and see and give it a thought. Oh my so god, yes. It's really for shock. Pygmalion. Yeah. That's the sad part, you know, even if somebody wants to step up, there's always 10 people who's gonna, like, suffocate you under their boots. 
Yeah, and nobody wants to listen these days. You have to spoon feed them the education they should have themselves. They should educate about our oppression. They should be educate and they should educate themselves about our oppression. And that's a basic minimum you can do. But um, even if someone is talking about our education, wanted they want to be spoon fed, spoon fed by uh, some comedy in it, with some uh, songs in it, and this and that and all. So it's really it really sings me the bad way. Yeah, something else I find really um, enthralling about this poem is how the use of elements of nature moon, sun, tides, and you know, uh, like, like dust, as in, dust, as in, so like the, 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 how the pentacle of protection, you know, like, or the five elements, air, earth, fire, water, and spirit. So all of these are so carefully embedded in this entire charming, charming poem. I just, it's just wonderful. Yeah. And how she creates gold mines and um, diamonds and oil mines. These are all the materialistic richness that men usually seek. Women too, like people usually seek. And how she is like taking it and then converting it into the the the, the wealth that is confidence, the the wealth that is mental health. And the wealth that is your mentality and your, um, you know, rebellion and your strength that comes from within, that's the sexiness. And that's the sexiness, those predators outside fear. And um, Yeah. Men fear nothing more than a self-aware woman. I'll tell you what, uh, the other day I was watching stand-up comedy. And uh, they touched upon this topic. I mean, they did not touch upon It's not like something I am um, not familiar with. It's just my everyday experience. Being being a big person, uh, big as in, well, pun intended, big, big of heart, big of body, whatever. So, like, being a huge person, I know this. I, um, I never get dick pics. I've never gotten a, a single dick pics in my life. Yes, there, there are... Congratulations. Yeah, I know this is nice. I, I I never got cat calls like that. I mean, I have been called like uh, like like man or uh, quote unquote dada like probably thousand times, but I have never been like teased, you know, uh, because nobody ever would think of me like that. The way I appear, and that's that that's the that's the awful person. I don't know. I mean, I don't. I'm not saying I want to be cat called or whatever. Oh fuck no. But I'm just saying this is the perception. It also gives me a, a little bit of, it's sad that I say this, but it also gives me like much more freedom to walk out at night than another uh, conventionally sexy person next to me. It's sad, yeah. but that's the truth right now that, I'm living, that I'm living. Yeah, they, they, they did this really brilliant stand-up comedy on this, and um, I thought, this, thought to myself, yes, this is true. I, yeah, same, bro, same. <laughs> oh God! Somewhere, some somewhere in this world, a Jewish person is listening to this and getting memories of Holocaust. Oh! <laughs> I 
another thing i just remembered on the same thing one of my uh, college mates one day uh, told me that how it's easier for us like she is also as you know uh, she is also plus size like myself uh, we uh, were talking and she mentioned this that how it's easier for us to kind of stare at guys without <laughs> without <laughs> without having any you know reciprocation back at all we can we can you know bask ourselves in the heat of sun from those hot people outside there but then they want to yeah. catch us yeah, no, but few few very few just no, i think not few we don't even have few like uh, our fingers we have like more numbers in our fingers than actual privileges that we have as fat women or plus size women that's absolutely yeah. false but the thing is that the, you know sucking the positivity out of whatever bullshit we are served with because in this context uh, so uh, my angelou covered all kind of women all kind of sexiness all kind of problems all kind of everything in this poem which is i think is very important we need representation in uh, literature or in movies in popular culture everywhere we need representation because i remember being a fat kid and i always felt like uh, i i used to watch the trash bollywood movies and bengali movies where proshenjit used to dance like he is in a pg class physical education class so uh, it was horrible when we when i used to only see uh heroines that are really beautiful and really uh, skinny uh, which was really depressing for me yeah. and and yes after i saw many plus size women representation in modeling industry or in hollywood yeah. or in everywhere or uh, fucking vidya balan in yeah. hollywood it made me feel like okay yeah. in vidya balan right my Okay, Anushka Shetty. She yeah, she a, like forever crush. Like yeah, I mean, okay, okay. yeah. She put on weight for that picture, probably thirty, forty kilos, and uh, you know she she is like tall and stuff. She put on that much weight. We usually see male actors, Christian Bale or some some actors like that doing that stuff. And they can like nobody will uh, you know um, tame, that that won't taint their uh, audience. in any kind of way but uh, but in india that's like your career it's it's a it's a monumental risk of your career if you do that for a woman especially in uh, south like south indian films from what yeah. i yeah from my experience because in bollywood that shit never gonna happen i mean i don't know i mean yeah the i mean mainstream bollywood that shit never gonna happen even if it happens it will probably be a very trash script like we see these days if netflix does some kind of no no there was a amazing body transformation by amir khan in dangal i'm talking about women here oh okay sorry yeah, yeah even if amir khan puts on 1000 kilos women will still like swoon over him all right so that anti vaccine yes women would because he has already established that if he comes into uh, you know the movie uh, the if he comes into mainstream bollywood for the first time with that much weight having no established audience before no no one's going to like it even uh, the more plus uh, size people in tv we need to see more lgbtq representation 
LGBTQIA, everyone, we need yeah. to see in the TV. We, uh, we need to see in popular culture because, you know, uh, because as a child, I wanted to, I saw that, I saw those things person and I didn't feel uh, good. I didn't feel anything good about myself. And watching those plus size models or seeing this kind of, like Anushka Shetty or Vidya Valen made me feel okay about my own skin and bones. I guess so, what we are getting at is I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size, but when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say yeah. it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my steps, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. And that's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah, that's what, you know, she has. She just that's why she was all black Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, all, all this case is just, you know, fun motivation. And it's really, for me personally, it's very hard to find that courage and motivation. But, and with finding sometimes it's very, it's not long lasting. And that's sad, but then, you know, I still have hope that um, I will we'll get through it. We'll, we'll come to a stage in life where we can get through it. We may look back in anger, but we look, in, look forward in hope. Ooh.
Constellation of Stars You played me like a song on your playlist I let you sing along for hours straight And when the mood died You left my side I hoped my grief would prove great I froze you in a block of foam And tried to forget how you'd wasted But you were so deep inside my brain couldn't resist it. The other day at the grocery store, my eyes met a mirror flare. I looked like half of myself, which was twice more than what you ever let me see. Crumbs of skin divorcing outlined the constellations of all our scary nights on my coward body. How it molds itself to rather engulf your rage than to finally leave. Pierced into curving possibilities, my wagging tail, in its frail attempt to leap and escape, howls silently, but no one listens. No one listens to me. I try to hide my choice of loving you more than I should underneath the scarves on every new hairdo. Tattooed the feeling of firsts from our early endeavors and curled up to sleep and I'm fading right beside you. Constellation of Scars. Oh my god, the title. Knock knock. Who's there? I see. I see who? I see you, babe. Oh, God. Dad <laughs> joke 2009. Back then when Internet Explorer was a thing. Yeah, I dug it I out. I was going with an elegant vibe. Oh, my God. The constellation of stars. The name sounds so amazing. And you went with knock, knock. Yeah, well, I had to inaugurate this with, uh, you know, whatever defines me, which is dad jokes and bad jokes and PJs and everything that's garbage. Hi, I am your friendly neighborhood garbage. Hi, I am your friendly neighborhood fun petrol. <laughs> you played me like a song on your playlist and I let you sing along for art's sake. You kind of remind me of the relationship Sylvia Plath had with Ted Hughes. Like, as if she wrote this uh, uh, day or two before her suicide, uh, uh, as if letting it all out. It reminds me of that. It's beautiful the way you associate food with love, as food nourishes us, as well as it kind of can send us down the road. So, yeah, it's a, it's a feeling, you know, like uh, also eating disorder that can be an aspect 
of having a troublesome relationship also. There's so many things that come to mind while writing about something which is so common and so horrible and just shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to elaborate on your eating disorder and how you came to this point? Well, I was feeling quite unmoored about, you know, various choices and decisions in my life. And um, like as per usual, every other day I was playing Eminem, naturally. I was was listening to this this really popular song I grew up with, Love the Way You Lie, with Rihanna. And uh, it's about like domestic violence, right? Like it's an epic masterpiece. Wow. So I thought... uh, I am. Uh, I can. I, so I thought to write something about domestic violence, but also connect it with, <clears throat> you know, with a running uh, metaphor of food. I mean, I didn't do it very much deliberately, but it just happened. How it happens with the, you know, with the flow. It just happened. I mean, when I finished the poem, I realized, oh, there's too much food. It's almost like my fridge. Whatever. Um, yeah, so that's it. I, um, you know, my struggle with not being able to control what I eat and how I eat. And I'm an emotional eater, like stress eater or whatever, just emotional eater. Whenever I feel something, it, it depends. Like if I'm stressed or something, I'll eat either too much or starve myself basically to the point of dehydration and other kind of um, problems and it, it, it's a huge thing that I go through basically on the daily basis so I thought that I should touch upon my basically abusive relationship with food as well. That's yeah it. we can see that also you said that it is inspired from love the way you like inspired as in you were listening to that song I find parallel of that song in the last paragraph. I tried to hide my choice of loving you more than I should. Yeah, this also, um, if you come to the, just the lines after that, how I talk about hiding um, the scars with scarves and hairdo, that also, I'm also kind of borderline talking about my neck fat. And my like that my double chins and twenty thousand chins that I have, I am very conscious about it. And uh, I cut my hair uh, because I cannot afford makeup, so I use my hair as natural contour. Really <laughs> 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 to hide to hide few portions of my face. It's sad, but you know we we do this kind of thing. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all. It's just. It's a. It's a minor you know it's just a foible that i have and what do i what do we do about it and yeah it's also if you read it at the first glance it looks like the you know the fights and the scars from the domestic violence that the woman goes goes through not just women men too Um, and yeah so i try to hide my choice of loving you more than i should but you know i just couldn't yeah, it seems like a domestic world of you and your uh, image which you see in your, in the mirror and you are as if talking to yourself. Is it true? You know, it's open to all kinds of interpretation. If that's what you feel from the poem, then that's what it is. I, yeah, that's it. 
Yes, because uh, in the last line you are saying I am fading right beside you. It uh, sounds like you are talking to your uh, actual self, which is fading behind beside the self you want to project yourself as. Well, yeah, you know, everyone at some point or the other feels hollow inside, um, and. Um, that's I think that's what it is. Also, not just that. It's you know, I know that this this won't be a very coherent story in the poem. But um, when from my experiences of dating and you know, um, almost falling in deeply love with somebody, I have realized this one thing that uh, it's either for from my little experience, whatever has come my way. Um, I have only received this, that either I have to dissolve myself in the other person to get their attention or none at all, you know. So there, there is like, I have only received, a, you know, a, a nonchalant reciprocation from my uh, the person I have dated or have been dating. So I, I just felt very hollow inside that, it's like, I mean, I don't want to be wrong when I like somebody, when I choose somebody, but there's this also weird feeling of my attraction towards vulnerability that makes me want to be wronged. Like, just come and just wrong me, just do me wrong, I'm okay with it, but um, I just won't be wrong about you. You have to be what I thought you are. That that kind of weird thing, you know, just makes me feel hollow and shallow and and day by day feels like I'm losing my mind over it. Yeah, Freud would love you as a case study. Yeah, well. Yeah, you know, uh, your poem reminds me of this poem called The Loneliest Sweet Potato, where there is a line, nobody is in love with me, but everybody loves me. Everybody loves me because Mm -hmm. I'm good at making people feel good. Do you think that way when you are writing the poem? No, I wasn't thinking of it, of course, but I, I, I have read that poem and res- I resonate with it so very fucking well. You, you know, it's beyond explanation. I just, it, it's just me, yeah. I mean, it yeah. just gets me. Well, that's it for our podcast. If you guys wanna send a, uh, send submissions, please uh, find the details in the description box. Thank you.